The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. With Colour Trend Paint on News Talk. Hello and welcome to the Home Show podcast with me, Sinead Ryan. Coming up this week, Wham backing singer and one half of pop duo Pepsi and Shirley, Shirley Kemp, on renovating her new home with husband Spandau Ballet's Martin Kemp. We'll be finding out what's on at the property show in Dublin's RTS. Dermot Gavin is back with more tips and answering your gardening questions. And if you're thinking about selling up... Sinead Considine has the A to Z on how to get your home sale ready. You're very welcome along to the Home Show podcast. Now, my first guest on the pod today came to fame as a backing singer for George, Michael and Andrew Ridgely's band, Wham!, which launched her own career as a pop duo, part of Pepsi and Shirley. She then married Spando Ballet's Martin Kemp, having been introduced by George Michael, as you are. And now she and Martin are renovating piece by piece a home that they've recently bought. Welcome along to the Home Show podcast, Shirley Kemp. Good morning. Hello. How are you? Now, I'm fascinated by this project you have taken on and I've been following the very beautiful photographs uh, on your Instagram feed for Maison number nine. So I'm, I'm putting that out there so that people listening can actually have a little quick scan of that while I'm talking to you. Why did you decide to take on such uh, an ambitious project? To say ambitious, yes, understatement. Um, Well, let me explain a little bit. My dad was a builder, so I grew up and sometimes I went to work with my dad. I did some laboring for him. I was always fascinated by buildings and how they make you feel, how you feel when you walk in somewhere. Um, I, we grew up in a very small little house. I shared a bedroom. Well, I shared a bed with three, uh, my two sisters. Um, it was very tiny. So when I kind of went out into the world and discovered houses that were actually big and people had their own bedrooms or laundry rooms, a room for your washing, I just the joy of finding homes. It just gave me such pleasure. So when Martin and I first got together, of course, my dad was a builder. So I'd say, dad, can you knock this wall down? So nothing was a problem. So it's in my blood. I can't help but go anywhere and think what I would do to it. So um, I'd renovated my last house. And I think we went through the whole lockdown thing where you, everyone, you know, was Mm. thinking, what can I do? And I just knew that I couldn't go any further with that house. So unbeknown to Martin, I was on um, the internet scouring houses and I found one only like half a mile down the road from from where we lived. And I didn't tell him, but I went to have a look (laughs) and I did, I just got this sensation when I drove here, I got this sensation thinking I'm going to live here. Although it was really not very attractive. It was in a really bad way. But the current owners had lived, had been in their family 100 years and they were so lovely. But the house had a really lovely energy. So whether that's come from them or I don't know, something just pulled me right in. But at a time when you had your home that you were living in the way you wanted it, obviously, you know, your skills and your, your creativity were brought to the fore. Would you not have just kicked back relaxed and enjoyed it. It's not in my nature. No. <laughs> right. No. I'm dreading to ask then how long you're planning on staying in this one. Are you, are you going well, to be constant is... nomads now? Well, I, I feel sorry for Martin because so when I told Martin that I'd come to see this house, I brought him around the next day and his first reaction was, no way. 
no way. There's far too much work, Shirley. I was convincing him just to lick a white paint. So, <laughs> um, so he was quite against it at first. And then I kind of show, you know, I get, I, I um, entice him with my mood boards of what could be done. Okay. And he came round to it in the end. And now he absolutely loves it here. But with me, I don't know. I, I just have this terrible feeling like, okay, I've done that. Let's do the next What's project. Next? But, but wow. I can't tell Martin that, by the no, way. No, <laughs> no. Well, I mean, we, we definitely won't. We'll keep that a secret between you and me. Yeah, now, absolutely. <laughs> some of the videos I have been watching, the little snippets you've been putting up, and Martin has been, you know, wielding a wheelbarrow or nailing something <laughs> onto involved, a wall. Yeah. yeah. Now, like what, does he have similar skills to you in terms of design and building and all of that? Or is it just move that from there to there, Martin, please? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's great. Obviously, you know, I, I am an ideas person and it actually is, it drives me up the wall because I can't switch it off. But um, yeah, Martin's obviously, he's really good with electrics, funny enough. Okay. He's like, he's, he's, he said his dad taught him about electrics when he was younger. So he does some of the electrics, but obviously we have to get professionals in because you have to have certificates for all the electric work. But um, no, Martin's great. He's great with the gardening. He's obsessed with the garden. So he'll go out and do a lot of heavy manual because as you, the, the worst thing is, the hardest thing is for us is that we're now in our 60s and I find I just don't have the energy, the strength. So if I start doing something really mad, because I like manual work, I really enjoy it. But I'm exhausted by everyone says, where do you get your energy from? I think they don't know I go to bed at 7.30 because <laughs> I'm so tired. I hear you, sister. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know it all It all kinds of gets, uh, everything gets a bit harder the older you get. Now, yeah. uh, what doesn't seem hard is the beautiful photography and uh, kind of curated rooms that you have displayed on it. And and there's, a, they're very, there's something very romantic about it. It's nearly like... I don't know, um, kind of 18th century vibe coming out of a lot of the staging that you do uh, to, yes. to show it off, yes. like tumbling pale flowers out of baskets and all that. Like in reality, Shirley, I know it it's, looks super for Instagram and it is super, but do you then have to go and sweep them all up and put them all away until the next Oh, like everything. It's show, you know, it's entertainment. It's showtime. It's like being on stage you know you put this gown on you get dressed up and you sing a song but that's not your life so I did um, interior photography as well so that was something I always loved um, photography and I started doing lots of interiors for American magazines called Romantic Living and Homes and they loved it so what I was doing I was staging little garden setups with uh, tables in the middle of a field and making it look romantic um and the Americans loved all that way before kind of I think it's, you know, kind of more current. So um, I can't, but that's another thing I can't help. I, I love flowers. I think for a home to have flowers and candles, it just, mm. you know, I'm always shocked some people never have flowers in their house. Mm. So, but now you can buy faux flowers because I think some people are afraid. Oh, it's too, you know, so um, I now use a lot of faux flowers but yes, my photography, my eye is very romantic, rustic, romantic. Um, yeah, just feel feel good. And what I really like on the Instagram is when I get reactions where people say, 
all that pictures cheered me up on a dull grey morning. So, and <laughs> yeah. that's what I kind of want to do, really. Yeah, and it does give people ideas of maybe for themselves how they could adapt some of it. But actually, to see it done and how it's been done, it probably uh, helps helps a great deal in looking at that. And it is lovely, as you say, for the old um, glamour for the gram. Now, your son Roman has been collaborating. Uh, I saw him in a story with the Princess of Wales on early childhood education, uh, getting involved when he's not. Gogglebox, of course, with Martin. And your daughter, Harley, is a singer-songwriter. You must be very proud of them. They're grown up now, Shirley. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the thing that was always kind of driven me as a person and to put onto my kids is always follow your passion. And that's what they've both done. You know, they've both gone out there. And Harley, I mean, she's actually has a, her own production company. So she does have a nine to five job where she's um, pr- producing adverts and things. But her passion is her music. So she self funds and she's made so many great songs. And she it brings her so much joy. And she does live shows. So I love that. I love to know that what my children are doing, they love. Because I think to have a have a child who's going to work and you know they hate their job and they you know that would be that would break my heart so it's more than feel proud I feel like this relief like oh wow they found that way of (laughs) following the passion well they didn't lick it off the ground as we say in Ireland Um, she's she's obviously (laughs) following in your footsteps now along with your own career of course um, before that started you were a backing singer to Wham and I read somewhere that George Michael introduced you to Martin and even went on your first date with you. Well, yes. What happened was um, I had seen Martin um, in posters and on top of the pops and I really, really fancied him. And George knew this because I go, on, I went on about it forever and ever. So we went out and saw this play and Spandau were there and Martin was there and he came up to me. So little did I know he'd seen me on television and I had a crush on me. So neither of us knew we had a crush on each (laughs) other. He came up to me and gave me his phone number and I was a bit shy and and I had this phone because in these days, you know, we didn't have the mobiles, remember, Mm -hmm. we're on the house house line, so the family members are going to pick the phone up. Um, And I had his number in my pocket for two weeks and George says, I can't believe this. You've got to call him. So... George, we were at George's house and he picked the phone up and dialed the number. And, oh, I was just like, you know, and you're like, no, no, I can't. And his mum answered it, which I thought, oh, no, I knew his mum was going (laughs) to answer. And I just said, I just felt so intimidated that, oh, I'm a girl ringing for Martin. I'm sure he's got girls ringing for him every day. And when he, when he, his mum asked who it was, and then when he came to the phone, he went, I've been waiting for you to call me. And he was so open hearted and honest. And he says, Can, shall we meet at Camden Palace? So Camden Palace is a big club in London where it was like New Romantics night on a Tuesday. And I said to George, you have to come with me. I'm not going on my own. Because <laughs> I just felt too intimidated because Spando were kind of like this big kind of cool band. And uh, I just, I'm not turning up on my own because I still felt a bit insecure, in, you know, unsure. Yeah. And uh, so George Michael so, was your chaperone. So he was my chaperone. <laughs> nice. But then it got really embarrassing because Martin and I just didn't kind of just had only had eyes for each other. He was totally, uh, he was so furious at the end. He's like, I was just standing there. You totally ignored me. You didn't even talk to me. And and it, so we were just laughed it off in the end. He said, what a gooseberry I felt. But yeah, no, he did a good job. And he was always keen for me and Martin to get together. He always, you know. He certainly did. So. How, how long are you and Martin Kemp married now? 
Oh, oh, uh, what's hardly 34 years. Wow. But okay. yeah, so for, show, I met for him a showbiz marriage, that, yeah. that has to kind of be a record, really, doesn't it? Yeah, 34, 35 years, can't remember, but we would been together kind of like 40 years. Yeah, and and actually, so, and if it's not that you don't spend enough time together, you released an album uh, together oh, in yes. 2019 in the swing of it. Now, I love this album because these um, this music, these covers are just fantastic. They're just great hits. And uh, I listened to a few songs and uh, you, your voices are really, really strong, both of you now. And you sing very well together. Have you any more collaborations lined up? No, I mean, that was just that, that was just such a lovely gift that I mean, we were contacted by Sony to see if we'd like to do an album. We'd never sung together before. So it was a, quite a shock. And I wasn't even sure if I wanted to go back into the music business. And I was like, yeah. oh, I don't know. But once we got in the studio, I've never enjoyed anything as much. I absolutely loved it. And those old songs are right in, they're my songs. That's yeah, what, yeah. I, I, what I play when I'm at home and I'm cooking. Um, they're just, you know, I'm a massive Ella Fitzgerald fan and her voice is so kind. There's a kindness and a warmth. Mm. So that's what, yeah, we wanted to kind of, so listen, if we got offered another album, I would absolutely jump on it. <laughs> okay, well, we'll, <laughs> we'll await that with bated breath. Um, Shirley Kemp, I'll tell you something. You're a busy woman and um, we're delighted that you made time for us today on The Home Show. The Instagram site, again, if anybody wants to have a look at that, is at Maison number nine. Why is it called Maison number nine, by the way? Well, my son came up with the concept because I was actually sending him pictures of the house as we were going along. And he said, you know, this, you should make an Instagram account. And he said, how many houses have you lived in? <laughs> and I said, nine. Next minute, ah, he said, okay. Right. So you can call it Maison number nine. All right. Okay. So well, people can have a look why. at that and, and seethe with jealousy um, on this Saturday morning. Shirley Kemp, thank you so much uh, you. for joining us this morning on The Home thank Show. Thank you very much. Take care. You're listening to The Home Show podcast with me, Sinead Ryan, and you can get in touch with me on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100 or email the pod at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. Now, The Property Show is on at Dublin's RDS this weekend, featuring leading property experts and professionals all under one roof with advice clinics on everything from how to get on the property ladder to switching and trading up. The event is open to the public and I'm joined by organisers Claire Hennessy and Jennifer Shaw. You're welcome along to The Home Show podcast, ladies. Oh, thank, thank you, Sinead. And now, listen, tell us a little bit about... Um, this show, have you been back since COVID or is this so your first show? This is our first event for the first property event. show. Okay. Yeah. So we're launching this weekend um, with EBS, um, My Home and um, Ask Paul. So it's our first ever property show. There has been property shows in the past, but like that many moons ago because we had a break from live events with COVID and then obviously we had the property crash. So it's been a long time since Dublin's had a property show where everything has been under one roof. So this is our first event this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, 10 to 5, both days. Brilliant, fantastic. And Claire, tell me a little bit about what people can expect if they go along to the show. What kind of exhibits and stalls are there? OK, so we're trying to bring everything under one roof. So if you are looking to get on the property ladder, if you're looking to buy or if you're looking to sell or switch or renovate your home. Um, so we have everyone, as Jen said, we're very proudly sponsored by EBS. Um we also have 
AIB, we have the Dublin Credit Union. So we have all of the banks, all of the financial the institutions. Lenders, the to lenders to help you buy the house. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll have all the government schemes. So we'll have the help to buy scheme, the first home scheme. We have um, the Department of Housing there. We have all of your additional services that you might need, like legal and like all of your surveyors, surveyors and everything that you would need if you were buying or selling your house. Interiors, a bit of everything. Okay, so it's like an A to Z kind of thing. So who should go along to this, Jen? Is it people who are about to buy or, you know, a bit like a wedding fair, is it? You go along six months out before you go buy. Like in the current climate, people are just so scared about like buying a house and interest rates and we're saying to everybody, come down this weekend and take the first step. So you might be talking about like, oh, this is the year I want to buy or I want to move or I want to renovate. But I think it's the wrong time because of X, Y and Z. Come and have the conversation. You're never going to get this opportunity again to meet these people face to face. Everything is online now or over a phone call and it's difficult for people to reach out. So if you have an idea in your head that you might want to buy a house this year, you might want to move or renovate or switch up, come down and have the conversations with the right experts. As we said, with everybody under one roof, you're not going to get a better opportunity yeah. this weekend. Now, um, people find this all very, can find that process quite confusing Definitely. and kind of long-winded and all of that. And property itself is such a polarising topic in Ireland. Do you know, it, yeah. it really is in the headlines every single day, it seems to me. Um, you've tried to make this as inclusive as yes, possible. We have, okay. Yeah. So so you have exhibits on social housing yes. and maybe on some of the grants that are available to people. Absolutely, yeah. And affordable and housing. Cooperative housing. So we have the traditional route. So if you want to come down, meet the banks or the brokers and have a, a traditional mortgage on a three bedroom semi D. We're 100% catering for you this weekend and other people that are not in a position, they might want to go for the vacant home scheme, a grant up to 50000 to convert the shop front. We have a fantastic architect coming with an example of how you can use your shop front to maybe work from home downstairs, live upstairs. Um, there's been 60,000 vacant shop fronts in the whole of Ireland. Um, some of the mm. county councils are traditionally um, transferring them into homes themselves at the moment. Yeah, and we have covered yeah. that that whole Creek on House scheme uh, extensively on the home show. And it just seems to be bureaucratic, difficult to get, long-winded. You know, it just hasn't seemed to have taken off with the vigour that yeah. maybe the government wanted it to. So maybe people can go down and find yeah, out what so is involved and it. how hard it and is. And then cooperative housing, this is new to me since my research in the property show as well. There's more and more cooperative housing um, opportunities now in Dublin, in Wicklow. um, And the threshold keeps changing as well. So I think this is the first time that a lot of these departments are front facing. Mm. So like you will have the whole department of housing, you will have all these schemes. You can come down, you might have things, as you said, they're changing so quickly. Mm. Well, that's because nobody's taking it up. They have to keep extending the limits and throwing out more money to people at this thing. All right, okay. Now, so on the RDS in Dublin, um, tickets are €16 available from thepropertyshow.ie, which is also your Instagram Mm -hmm. site. Uh, But... You have a special deal for listeners to the home show. Yeah, so we're delighted to be on News Talk today to promote the show and we're giving a free code HOME on checkout to give you free tickets. 
So all you have to do is use the code HOME on checkout and you'll get free tickets for this weekend. Fantastic. Well, folks, I can't do better than that for you. Uh, Claire Hennessy and Jennifer Shaw, founders of The Property Show. Thanks a million for joining us on Thank The Home Show. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks so much. Thank you. Now, friend of The Home Show, Dear McGavin, joins me again to continue his very popular masterclasses on getting your garden ready for the months ahead. You have been sending in questions week after week, so there's no time to waste. Uh, welcome back, Dermot. Great to be here. And the questions are coming in because it's that time of the year, we're looking out at blue skies and growth is starting in my garden. The snowdrops are up, but the little daffodils yeah. are up now. So uh, a little bit earlier than usual. The thing to worry about is the lack of water. Very little rain right. in February. Right. So I would feel drought conditions coming on early this year and climate change. All of that uh, is Goodness, important. it seems to get earlier every year. Earlier every year. We won't be the worst affected and the worst affected countries, of course, uh, in, in terms of agriculture, are the poorest uh, mm. countries. But it is mm. something that we should be aware of from the start of the year, conservation of you know natural resources. OK, so with that in water. mind, we will have that to the forefront now when we're looking at some of the questions that have come in. Uh, now, let me get started with the first one um, before we get on to the design piece, which I know you've done a lot of work on for us, for listeners of The Home Show, and we'll come on to that in a short while. Uh, we have, uh, first one is kicking off Anne um, Ita. Uh, Hi, I have a north-facing and low back garden. Would welcome advice on how best to use it to grow vegetables. Is, is the issue here that it's just dark, Dermot? Sunlight is the thing that, uh, plants need sunlight because that's how they produce. The plants are very unusual. They produce, unlike us, they produce their own food. So sunlight is the stuff that plants really crave. Plant growth and performance is fueled with energy from that sunlight. So, uh, yes, it is challenging. Fault sun, when you see it on, when you go to the garden centre, when you see it on a pack of seeds, means six to eight hours of direct sunlight each day. That's mm. quite a lot. Partial sunlight... Uh, our, our, you know, partial shade is less than six, uh, uh, six hours of, of sunlight. Shade means no direct sunlight. So if you think of shade, there's a woodland near me that I go walking the dogs in. You know, Parse Court, uh, where the yeah, waterfall is. Yeah. Go walking the dogs with them every uh, every day. And underneath those tr- uh, tr- trees, uh, an awful lot of those trees will be shade. Yeah. So you see the plants that will take low light and that's an awful lot of the ferns, that's some of the, in terms of herbaceous plants, that's some of the hosses. They love that kind of, the of the, isn't that damp, kind of mossy type plants, isn't it? A, 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 Exactly. But in terms of light, there's plants that will grow for every single site and situation. However, if you want to grow uh, veg, you won't grow them in full shade. You you can grow some veg in partial partial shade. Uh, All brassicas are tolerant of shade. So that's interesting. So So broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbages. In that kind of six hour thing, you'll get them uh, growing. Beetroot are tolerant of shade, um, but get them off to a strong start by sowing seeds in modules in bright conditions. Um, Other things are loose-leaf lettuce 
uh, including the oak leaf type lettuce. Oh yeah, that's a nice one with the purpley kind exactly, of leaves on it. Exactly. Well now, Anish, it sounds to me like you are going to be very healthy uh, when all that grows, the brassicas and, and the, another hand, and the handy one and a very uh, handy one yeah. is uh, carrots. They'll tolerate oh, okay. afternoon shade. So okay. there are some things Lots but most fruit and uh, sure that's your five a day. Yeah, that's uh, all you need. Well now they tell us we need 30 a day. <laughs> oh right. Or 30 okay. a week. Is you it? just have to have more of it. Okay. Uh, now we had uh, another we got an email actually in the last time you were in but we just didn't get around to it because of time and this is Sharon in Kilkenny who has moved down from Dublin to Kilkenny and she has such a large garden to maintain she doesn't have green fingers uh, but there's a very long feature flower bed which, is, which isn't looking great despite the weeding she's put in lupins and roses it's lovely in the summer but very big to maintain she wants to put in a patio uh, but does have the benefit of afternoon sun because it is south facing she doesn't have a big garden uh, so any suggestions Suggestions would be welcome for that. Now, it sounds to me this would fit into one of your grand designs that you have been looking at for the home show. Yeah, so if you, we're, we're going to talk a little bit later on about how to plan the garden because we've been looking at inspiration, we're looking at soil type, we've looked at aspect, stuff like that. But now we'll get on to how to lay out gardens and I have diagrams for people to look at on my Instagram. Your garden though in Kilkenny I've been looking at and what you're talking about, that feature bed, it's a bed between the driveway and the lawn and it's on the driveway is at one level lawn at another so the bed is sloping down mm. and it's an awkward bed it's nice in, in, in that it's a feature it's offered up to you immediately you drive into the house but what you really want to do is to, to plant it with one species to smother out all the, the, the weeds and what I would go for in that bed is something that's really delightful and it's lavender now I'm saying that because you're in a bright open sunny position and lavender definitely needs that needs that yeah now, the most important thing is that its feet aren't in wet heavy soil and I think because of that slope you're on the top of the slope because you'll have so the drainage won't you drainage. yeah okay if you don't have great drainage that's more questions <laughs> oh, no, I know that's just your machine. notebook alright if you don't have great uh, 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 drainage put some great in the base of the planting hole. Uh, English lavender varieties like Munstead Wood, Hidcote and Vera are best for creating a hedge. And the really handy thing about them is that you can take cuttings of them. So you can plant a few plants this year and then, you know, during the summer, late summer, take some cuttings of them, take multiple cuttings of them so you have loads of plants to go in for next okay, year. Okay, and you get multiple. And actually, you'd have the added bonus there. I'm just thinking you're driving into the driveway, you've just come home from somewhere, you open the door oh, of the car heaven. and that smell assaults you and the, it'll the, the just be is, incredible. Is like now, walking into a spa. <laughs> maintaining it is really important. Pruning it properly so it doesn't get woody and leggy, which can be uh, awful. Even if you have an established uh, lavender hedge, they can wear after time so keep them nice and compact and change them every six or seven years you can't beat lavender I know you can't and then you dry it off and put it in the bags and use it in your in your wardrobe to, to freshen up your clothes uh, okay Sally from uh, Dublin hi Dermot we have completely dug up our small suburban west facing garden and are arguing over flowers half it is being paved there's a shed in the dark corner and we want to build raised beds in an S shape on the sunny side so far so good while I want to grow veg and herbs my other half wants flowers Flowers. What plants would work best together? We both love hydrangea and rhododendron, but we don't want the planting to get overgrown. 
uh, what would you recommend for year round? So you've made some good decisions there. The shed, of course, in the shady place is a very good decision unless you're Roald Dahl and it's your place you're going to disappear <laughs> into every day to do your right, writing. Your, right, your now to be rewritten books. <laughs> That's right. So uh, yeah, you've done that. I slightly worry about the s shape. Uh, raised bed because S-shapes are hard to do Uh, and if you're using something like railway sleepers that's going to be very hard to make elegant. In terms of planting give us another week or another two weeks because the next time I come in it'll be with the full planting list and we're going to start off with the best trees you can use the best small to medium sized trees you can use for your garden but I will give you a range of trees, shrubs and perennials that are suitable for all sites and situations. And is it okay in the same kind of section of garden or the same bed to put in, say, tomatoes and potatoes and herbs and also have kind of flowers and bushes? Absolutely brilliant. It's how the cottage garden really evolved. It's how that style evolved because you stick in bits and pieces of whatever work. uh, And yes, people even use cabbages, uh, ornamental cabbages during the winter to uh, make you know pots and containers and beds sparkle yeah, a little bit. because everybody's just growing their own and I know by the time we get to Paddy's Day, in my case I start putting in the little seedlings in the window yep. and then by Easter you expect to be able to put them out and y- you also want something overflowing on the flower side and the garden side in the summer. To, not so much to hide the food so but to have to know it's absolutely there. no problem with mixing and of course those productive whether it's productive in terms of flour or fruit and veg, it wants the full sun. So put them all in together and remember, they're all going mad at the moment that, that you can't buy the veg you want, the tomatoes yes, you want. In the re- I know. Grow your own grow and your grow own. seasonally. <coughs> Maybe it's we're not so meant to be easy. eating so tomatoes at this time of the year. Indeed, indeed. Now, uh, listener Kieran Burns has said, can Dermot please provide advice on how I should prune my pear tree? Now, I'm taking that's not going to be a euphemism for anything else, so let's talk about <laughs> pear trees. Uh, <laughs> Pears, apples, um, fruit like that, uh, you prune in the dormant season before the plants start growing again, before bud bursts, usually between November and early March. So around now, you you really get it in around now. Um, And the whole principle of pruning there is you're going to take off any dead or diseased wood, any wood that's pointing downwards. You're going to open up the tree like a goblet. So I'm holding up my my, uh, hand and the fingers are going out making a kind of goblet shape. Mm-hmm. You want lots of light coming into the, the centre of that tree and you want lots of air circulation so uh, pests or diseases don't get because, you know, if we create muggy conditions, if there's too much foliage, uh, you get less air circulation and that's a perfect okay, breeding. that's actually very logical. It for, makes uh, very, a lot of sense. Very logical. Okay, so lots of, the other lots thing of I would say, don't mind too much about uh, this pruning lark. I tell you why, because for thousands of years, uh, people got on fine without very okay, advanced okay, techniques of, tra- right. of training. And Don't if you want to get into growing fruit and veg, start with fruit trees. Just plant them yeah, and yeah, they'll produce yeah, fruit. It's yeah, an ama- yeah. as amazing as that. Okay. Uh, Patricia Coffey uh, also emailed us in, uh, Dermot. She said, nobody's been able to answer for her properly. When she starts cutting the grass again after winter, uh, she thinks it's in need of a cut now, but a neighbour said, uh, no way to cut it yet. What do you think? 
If you'd like to cut it, cut it. If it's not damp, if, if you're not going to do a huge amount of damage by walking on it at the moment, cut it now if you feel. But raise the blades so you're not doing an awful lot of damage to the root by dragging the root of the grass plant, of the oh, individual okay, so grass plant. just take the top off Raise the, the, ah, the blades, uh, take the top off. That's a good off. compromise. Or, a bit of a haircut. Yeah, yeah, or leave a whole area and don't cut it at all. You know, in the UK they've been doing this no more May. Maybe do no more... Uh, February, March, April, <laughs> okay. May, uh, uh, whatever, because allowing the grass plants to flower is great for the pollinators. Okay, right. And then finally, uh, our listener, Laura Laffey, uh, emailed us to say she'd love a bit of help for inspiration for what she would think is a typical half acre front garden on a bungalow. Uh, and she said when she drives around, all she has is this vast uh, front garden. Uh, greenery with a few shrubs and bird borders a green strip to the side she said it's very boring she thinks she can do better she'd love to move the lawn have a, have a more formal style with hedges and paths and she loves alliums and uh, lavender and star magnolia and all of that kind of thing um, there is a piece around those large rural bungalows that you you do often just see this expanse of well-maintained lawn and nothing except maybe green hedging. Do you think we should start utilising those areas more? I don't like to be a designer style dictator. So whatever whatever makes you happy. But what I really, what's the, the list? Of, this the is name? Laura. Laura, mm. Laura, what I really love about your question is the thought process. You've identified what you have. You've identified what you'd like. You know the type of style. So everything we've been talking about over the last month or so uh, on the, 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 the home show with these masterclasses, you're doing exactly that. So what I would say to you is is be de- because you really want the design. So be definite about your style. As part of our Instagram post, I'm going to be showing templates for different garden style. Front gardens are different from, from back gardens. Uh, they tend to be a little bit maybe more formal. They tend to be bedding in the house a little bit. And I would be going for mass planting rather than lots of you know mm. bits and pieces mm. in the garden. So we talked about that lavender hedge. That's whole beds of the one species. Okay. Strong bones, so it's always looking good. Uh, the magnolia, absolutely uh, great because every front garden should be adding to the streetscape mm. or the landscape mm. by yeah, ha- having trees but have a look at the designs I'll be showing template designs on how to move around the garden using C shapes using S shapes using some of the more formal Italian uh, designs and then I'll be giving examples of garden designs that we have done just drawings and plans of them and analysing yeah, why know, they but work it's a, it's a kind of a plug in and play because you can actually take these and look at them and you know, transpose them to your own space. Absolutely. Either smaller, bigger, wider, thinner or whatever and work them. Now they, you are putting those up on your Instagram. On my Instagram which is at Dermot Gavin. At Dermot Gavin. At all Dermot the pictures Gavin. and all designs the pictures and rules. And the inspirations that we've been talking about over the, the last few weeks. Understand the story you're trying to tell. Understand that when a, within a garden you're working within probably real fixed boundaries, hedges or, or, or um, fences or, mm. or whatever, and lead the eye through the space. I'll show you how to do that with diagrams. Fantastic. Now, your thing is going pinging like mad there with so many questions coming in. So we're going to have you back in two weeks to cover right. them again. And folks, if you're sending in a question to Dermot uh, th- through the home show at newstalk.com, well then do so, add a photograph so we can have a 
good look at it. Jim, thanks a million once again. Great to see right, you. Right, that's fantastic. Masterclass there. Now, still to come on the Home Show podcast, how to get your home sale ready. And as always, you can get any questions into the pod for future episodes at the Home Show at Newstalk.com. Now, welcome back to the Home Show podcast today. Whether you're thinking of selling up your home or it's currently up for sale, well, my next guest, Sinead Considine, one half of Interiors Duo, The Interiors Project, is joining me today with tips on getting the home sale ready. Sinead, you're very welcome along to the Home Show pod. Thank you so much for having me. Now, um, talk to me a little bit about this whole thing of, of preparing and staging homes. Is it a new thing? Because it seems to me now... Like, unless it's a complete doer-upper, every home now has these velvet throws and candles lit and bread baking in the oven before you go in to view them. Yeah, well, actually, myself and Neve brought in home staging here in 2004. Um, we're kind of first to the market with us. It. So this it was is Neve to Barry. Neve to Barry, yeah. And it was um, quite a hard sell because I had done it in Australia for a couple of years and Ireland hadn't even heard of it before. So, um, but since then, it's been flying. It's been taking on this... Yeah, loads of people doing it. Mm. I think people are probably used to it in a brand new home. You know, when you have a developer who's trying to flog the houses, not that he has, they've tried very hard at the moment, but you always see the show house so perfectly done that in fact, that, that's often the first one to go because people say, I don't want the effort of having to do everything myself. You know, here it is ready made. Does the same mood apply if you're staging a home, like a secondhand home for sale? Yeah, so it's the exact same. It's when people, they can't really visualise themselves living in a home. So when you go in, it's your first impressions. So you want to see yourself living in it. You want to think about yourself. You don't want to see clutter. You don't want to see anyone else's memorabilia. Um, so it is yeah, the exact same. So you want to see rooms that have beds made that are really clean. So when you see the furniture there, you can visualise your furniture fitting in it. So I think the most important thing is when you're when you're stage well to stage a home is actually very important to do. So what kind of things would you recommend people do? Now I know obviously getting rid of personal items and clutter, that's fine. I remember when I sold my home, I carried around in the boot of my car you know, the contents of my <laughs> underwear drawers and some photographs I didn't want anybody seeing. Uh, I mean, family photographs, obviously. So is it OK? So that clearing out the stuff makes sense because you want to give people an idea or an impression of space. But what else can we do to kind of get our home sale ready? Well, I suppose first first impressions count. So um, from the outset, it's curb appeal. So when they drive up, you want you don't want, you know, your door like paint falling off for your mm. garden unkempt. So cut the grass. Cut get the grass. Rid of the kids' bites. Yeah, just tidy up the garden. <laughs> get rid of everything, kitty. You want to um, get rid of anything that that kind of belongs to you in the house. So when people don't go in, they they suddenly see photographs of you in the house, and then think of you living there. You want them to think of themselves living there, and that's the most important thing. Um, declutter, clean, paint where you can. New carpets if you need to repair everything because you want people to look at the size of the rooms, not the little cracks in the walls or, you know, there's a door falling off the hinges because suddenly they'll just remember those things. OK, so don't distract them with what's wrong with it. No, you, basically you, you want to showcase your finest features of the house. So if there's a beautiful fireplace, you just, you know, you kind of lead them to the fireplace. If you have a new kitchen, you lead them to the new kitchen. Um, yeah, don't distract them with anything that's faulty. Okay. Now, you don't have to have every piece of furniture doing its job. I mean, it's okay in some of these houses just to have maybe an armchair 
you know, and a table and, you know, sideboard you don't have to have all of the stuff that can fit in the house that you would normally be living in. no god no you just you don't want it to clutter clutter a house you want to show the rooms as big as possible especially for photographs you know people buy now online mm, mm. um or they they see the house you know online first so you don't want a cluttered room because then they'll just go no it's tiny so you want to take everything out and just put the bare minimum but make it really stylish um, and kind of keep it as neutral as you can because you want to show the size of the room, not the pieces of the furniture because people You're buy You're not selling those, exactly. You're not selling them. Okay, and I'm astonished to find out uh, over the years that... Um, if you've already vacated the house or you're selling maybe up a, a kind of um, a second property or a parent's house after after they've passed away, you can hire furniture and pieces so, yeah. to put up. And I know there are some libraries, the bigger libraries, you can hire prints and paintings. Yeah, so we do that. We hire a full, like, like a whole house of furniture, like we've been doing it for years. So we could do six bedrooms, four bedrooms. So they take, and you can also do that if you have furniture, you just take it all out if no one's living there and put all our furniture in. So we just make sure that the house is, every single room is as beautiful as it can be for photographs and for people walking around. So you show the house for what it is, not for the pieces of furniture. Now, it of course, there's a cost-benefit analysis here because if you're going to go to all that trouble and you mentioned new carpets or painting it up, there, you know, that, that costs quite a bit of money to do that. Only, you know, somebody might come in and say, oh, I hate magnolia and grey carpet and I'm pulling the whole lot out again. So at what what is the tipping point there? I mean, do you, do you have any evidence for the extra money you would get for the sale of the house just by making it look pretty? Yeah, well, the houses like prove to sell faster and quicker, you know, if they're staged or done up. And people now don't have the time to, you know, go in there and start painting and decorating. You know, if you even if you don't have the budget to stage, sometimes we just recommend you paint and you carpet. So when people go in, even if they don't like the colours or the carpet, mm. they can move in straight away and do it at a later date. So it's just people just straight into You've it. You've made it comfortable and livable. Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, So uh, that is uh, to do with all things staging. Talk to me a little bit about the Interiors Project, your company, and where where you're going with that and what's up for you next. Yeah, so we have been staging, as I said, since 2004. So we're continuing to do that. Um, Yeah, it's old rope for us at the moment. So, um, And we've just opened a showroom in Sandyford Industrial Estate. So we have a lot of private clients. We do show houses. We do... Uh, buy to lets, we do rentals, we do hotels, we're doing a hotel at the moment. But um, yeah, so we do everything. And you also do the nice stuff, you're selling nice cushions and throws and all that kind of stuff, (laughs) all the luxurious hotel feel stuff, isn't it? It's still a big thing, people love that trend, don't they? They do, and do you know what, when you walk into a house and your house you're selling a house and your house is done up like a hotel, people just go, oh my God, oh, I love this. And that's mm-hmm. what you just, you're creating emotions and yeah. you don't want people going into a house and going, oh God, the smell of this house. Yeah, or, you know, the dirt of it. and what's it doing? No, with, absolutely who, who not. thought of buying that? You want yet. them to go in and just go, oh my God, I would love, I can see myself living here. And that's the most important thing. Okay, well, Sinead Constantine, one half of the Interiors Project, thank you so much for joining us this morning on The Home Show and giving us all of those great tips. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to The Home Show podcast this week. I'm Sinead Ryan. And if you'd like to get involved in the show, maybe you have a question for me or a topic you'd like us to hear uh, covered on the show, or maybe you're a designer and you'd like to share your work with us. Well, you can drop the show a text at 53106 for 30 cent, or you can email us during the week with all that information at the home show at Newstalk.com. You can also listen to the Home Show live on Saturday mornings from 8 to 9. 
The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. Saturday morning at 8. With Colour Trend Paint on News Talk.